Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. Look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 65 here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash two minute round. We've have we've been gone for about three weeks while my co-host Mr. David Avila took care of some business. I'm Felipe Leon, and like I just mentioned, with me always, Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing tonight? Very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Enjoying. Uh, well, I mean, it's not the weather's not that great. It's. Uh, I, I wish it was some, summer would start, but we got a little bit rainy skies down here in Southern California. And with us in about 15 minutes, like it is almost tradition here on the two minute round, we try to have a special guest on every one of our shows. I think about 98 percent of our shows have had a special guest, and this show will be no different when we have undefeated up and coming prospect Raquel Miller who will be fighting for her first regional title on May 18th. She's an Olympic standout. She was an Olympic alternate, actually, and um, an amateur standout. She's undefeated. She signed to Lou DiBella. She's going to be fighting for an NABO title on May 18th in um, Hawaiian Gardens, which is a suburb of Los Angeles, and she's going to be talking about uh, that with us. Her social work, she does a uh, some boxing clinics in her hometown of San Francisco. She trains out of San Diego, California, and she will be talking about that and uh, anything else that has to do with her career. Uh, one thing, well, before we move on, uh, one thing that I wanted to go over with you, Dave, and I'm, I'm not sure if you know this about Raquel Miller, and but on BoxRec, if you have a password, you could go in and some of these fighters that they're starting to show their amateur uh, boxing career, and she's gone, uh, 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 like I mentioned, she's an amateur standout, so she's actually faced uh, Clarissa Shields a number, a number of times as an amateur, also she faced Elisa Napoleon as an amateur and defeated her, she uh, had a couple of fights against Franchon Cruz Desern and split those, and uh, she also fought, uh, uh, what's this uh, woman, she hasn't gone pro, uh, Wolf, her last name is Danielle Wolf, and beat her. So uh, she has a pretty good uh, amateur pedigree, and she'll be joining us in about 15 minutes to talk about professional boxing career and as well as her amateur career. So before we head into that, let's head on to our fight results section here of the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. You want to join us and speak some female boxing, you can do so at 323-580-5735. 323-580-5735. And going back to Saturday, April 20th, from Atotonilco, El Alto, in Mexico, on the Azteca Channel, Montserrat Alarcón scored a unanimous decision over Nora Cardoza in a 10-rounder to defend her WBA 102-pound title. That's the atom weight, which is very uh, unique to uh, female boxing. It doesn't exist in Male boxing scores there were 100 to 92 times in 98, 91. That's 102 pounds. I watched this fight, David Alarcón, just overmatched uh, Cardosa. She she went after the body. Cardosa was taller than her. Was using a little bit of her uh, reach advantage, 
but Alarcón was able to nullify her with a, a strong, heavy attack and ended up earning uh, almost those perfect score of 192 times in 99-91. Now, on Thursday, April 25th, in Indio, California, Golden Boy Promotions on the Zone gave us Marlene Esparza scoring a unanimous decision over Joseph Vizcaino in an eight-rounder for the WBO-NABO 112-pound title. Scores were 80-72 three times. Every you were in the house. Tell us what you saw up close and personal and uh, uh, anything else that has to do with that fight card and Marlene Esparza. Well, I was a little surprised because that was her first fight after uh, uh, giving birth. And, um, well, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because it seems to be a common theme when women give birth and then they return to the ring. They seem to be stronger. And Marlon Esparza was stronger. Uh, I had seen her last fight before her pregnancy, and then I saw her this, that Thursday on April 25th and against Josep uh, Vescaino, and she looked very strong. And it was an eight-round fight, not a four, not a six, but an eight-round fight. And... uh she looked very, very strong. Yeah, it was, that is an impressive part of it. I mean, she could have very easily come back in a in a six-rounder, a non-title fight, and just get her bearings back after giving birth. Uh, but she opted to go in an eight-rounder for a title. Now, Joseph Vicaino wasn't a world beater. She wasn't maybe at, at a level, Marlene Esparza's level, if you know as part of the story, I mean, she's very uh, experienced, very talented. She won a bronze medal in 2012, and uh, she's undefeated as a professional. She's the first female fighter that, well, they claim she was, but they signed one before years and years ago. But let's go with their narrative that Marlene Esparza is the first female fighter signed by Golden Boy Promotions. Um but, David, as far as the style, I mean, she did talk about in the post-fight uh, interview that she's sitting more on her punches. She feels that she's coming along as a professional, and she's looking to show some power. I didn't really see that. I saw, uh, I mean, has she improved? Yeah, she's improved. But to me, I still see a very amateur style. Uh, actually, I, I can see the, the change. Instead of throwing her uh her amateur style combinations, she was going basically one punch at a time, sometimes one twos, but basically she's, she's pounding the body, pounding the head. You could tell she was going for the knockout. Uh, I'm sure that she, she saw uh, Vizcaino's uh, previous fights against Adelaida Ruiz and Sanisa Estrada. And I guess she wanted the knockout too, but it wasn't a B. Vizcaino's a pretty tough customer. Um, and toward the end of the round, Vizcaino could tell that she, that Esparza was headhunting and setting traps of her own, which is pretty interesting. And uh, Esparza spotted it right away, spotted those traps, and then uh, started changing up a little bit. But uh, it was uh, good to see. It's good to see where where there wasn't just two women flailing away. There was there was tactics, there was strategy, and there was counter strategy. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing about Esparza is that she hasn't been as active as the other fighters that have gone pro around the same time that she has. And also, she started off with a couple of different trainers. She even was trained by, at a certain point by Virgil Hunter. So I think that's what she needs. She needs to kind of like just stay active 
and stay with the same team, perhaps, so that they could develop that style more into a professional style. And hopefully we see that in the future. And obviously, everybody is looking for that fight between her and Senez Estrada now in Las Vegas on the same night on oh, April well, 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 one more Go thing. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry about that, Felipe. One more thing. She said she returned to her old trainer, uh, her amateur trainer. She's not. Uh, she wasn't training with Virgil Hunter in this fight. No, I know. She she Which has trained with Virgil Hunter. Yeah, she had trained with Virgil Hunter in the past, but I guess she wants to stay in Houston now that she has the baby and her husband. Exactly. So I think she wants to stay in Houston, so she went back to that trainer. Which is fine, as long as she stays with one guy, one trainer, and they can start developing and working on, you know, in, in developing her style more from an amateur style to a professional style. And I think we'll see. I, I mean, I'm sure she can do it. I mean, she's very talented. So it's just a matter of time and consistency that she needs to, to do so that way uh, she could reach that. Now on Thursday, April exactly. 25th, uh, in the same night, Las Vegas, Nevada, Roy Jones Jr. Promotions gave us Rosalinda Rodriguez scoring a unanimous decision for Martina Horgas, a six-rounder, 118 pounds. Scores there were 60-54 three times. On Saturday, April 27th, from Osaka, Japan, Kasumi Saeki scored a six-round TKO over Elizabeth Lopez in a 10-rounder for the vacant 105-pound WBO title. Time was there was 105. And from Ecatepec, Mexico, Promisiones del Pueblo on Televisa gave us the WBC Super Flyweight Champion, Galalupe Lupita Martinez, defending her title surprisingly, to me surprisingly, David, with a split decision over Jessica Kika Chavez, scores there were 97-93 and 96-94 for Martinez and a 96-94 for Chavez. To me, David, this was a really good fight. Uh, I think it's an early candidate for fight of the year. I think Martinez uh, wow. gave everything she could. She could. Chavez did too, but I think Martinez' size uh, was a, a big factor in this fight and she was able to take the fight and defend her title which to me was a surprise I thought Chavez was a shoe in to win her third title in as many divisions yeah that was that was a surprise to me but uh uh Martinez has turned the corner and she seems to know how to win now yeah she, I mean she started off as with not that great of a, of a record I mean her record is not that great still but she is a world champion she's defended it about I think three or four times she did beat uh, uh, an established champion in Sulina Lalova Munoz for that title. And she faced another world-class fighter. Many considered Jessica Kika Chavez before her baby. Uh, one of the top ten fighters in the world and one of the top yes. five fighters in Mexico. She comes back. She doesn't. She takes the Marlene Esparza route even more so. Even more so coming back from, her, from a, uh, giving birth to her daughter Alondra. And goes, instead of taking an easy fight, she goes after a world title, and she comes up a little bit short, losing a split decision against Guadalupe Martinez. So, very, very good fight. If you guys haven't had a chance to watch it, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Uh, Guadalupe Martinez, split decision win over Jessica Chavez. And lastly, on the same night in Saturday, April 27th, from Lafayette in Louisiana on the World Boxing Super Series on The Zone, Selena Barrios. Drops a unanimous decision against none other than veteran Melissa the Hurricane Shark Hernandez in a six rounder at yes. 135 pounds. Scores there were 80-72 and 79-73 two times. It was a it was a dominant performance by the veteran Hernandez who had not seen action in two years, but she 
quickly proved that she was way too much for Selena Barrios. I mean, that fight could have been a four-round or six-round, and we would have seen the same thing. It didn't matter. Hernandez completely dominated. Uh, I mean, Hernandez completely dominated Barrios, who suffers the first loss, David. Uh, yes, it kind of shows that, you know, experience does matter. And Melissa had seen all types of fighters, had fought little girls, big girls. She's not that big. She's only about 5'2". But she is a very crafty fighter. I mean, the only person that regularly beat her was Layla McCarter. And she was the only person to beat Layla McCarter in the last 12 years. So it tells you that she was up there. She's she's one of the best fighters still fighting. Well, now back back to fighting, and she kind of gets back in the mix because of that performance. A lot of people have started talking and say, who do they want to see her fight next? Now, Barrios, even though she has a great amateur experience and she has been knocking everybody out that she has faced, you know, proves that experience does matter, like you mentioned, David, because after after her her plan A, which was to overpower Melissa Hernandez as she had done and try to brawl it out like she had done against her previous opponents who didn't work. She really didn't have much else. And Hernandez was able to kind of just play with her, fight from the outside, box her, and just catch her coming in because Barrios, all she did was try to brawl it out and Hernandez wasn't going to have it. So uh, uh, Barrios needs to go back into the drawing board and see what she needs to do. She needs to gain more experience. She needs to change it up a little bit and try to box because if that's all you can do and you could just brawl it out and somebody's going to take your punch and, uh, and be able to, you know, counter punch you, you really don't have much uh, left. And, and Hernandez pretty much gave us the blueprint of how, how to beat Selena Barrios. Yeah. yeah and, I, and another thing too, is I got to give credit to Selena Barrios for hanging in there. She didn't quit. And mm-hmm. taking the fight. She knew she was fighting a very good fighter. She came in our show. She talked about it. She said she knew she was fighting, fighting somebody that was, you know, a triple world champion. Or, or Melissa, I think, has a two or three division world champions. And she was no slouch. She was fighting. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, kudos to her. And, and I completely agree with what you said. And, you know, sometimes you kind of have to take a step back and, and, and really think about who you're matching up. I mean, obviously she has a manager, Barrios does. And I I sincerely thought when I saw this fight, even though Melissa was coming off two-year layoff, I knew it was going to be a tough fight for Barrios just because of the styles and because of Hernandez's experience. And she didn't – She Hernandez never seems like a defeated fighter. I mean, even if she was beating, getting beaten by Leila McCarthy, she was putting up a fight, you know? And uh, – yeah. She was putting, and those fighters, even though they're in a two-year layoff, they don't go into the night easily. And she proved it on the night of Saturday, April 27th, when she was able to easily beat Selena Barrios with the unanimous decision. So we'll see what's next for both of them. I would expect for Barrios to kind of go back on the drawing board, maybe take that rematch with uh, Aida Satibaldinova or another fight before she looks for for anything bigger than that. And Melissa Hernandez, I mean. She just proved it. I mean, even though she beat somewhat of an inexperienced fighter, but a fighter that was making waves, and with her experience and her style, I think she's ready for anybody at any weight class that she can make, you know, 126, 130, 135, whatever weight class she can make, 
She can fight anybody in that division and give her a, a, a run for her money. Absolutely. She's never been whipped. Well, I, I take it back. Maybe once I saw her uh, whipped, but other than that, um, she's never really been you know, beaten down. Yeah. Well, David, uh, with that said, that is our fight result section of our show. And with us now is our special guest, none other than undefeated up-and-coming prospect, Miss Raquel Miller. Pretty beast. So let me patch her in. Hello, Miss Miller. How are you doing tonight? Hey, how are you doing tonight? Thank you for having me. And there you go. With us is Miss Raquel Miller. Raquel, I'm going to pass you on to Mr. David Avila, and then I'll take the second part of the questions. Go ahead, David. Raquel, thank you very much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, so do you look forward to this fight coming up with Aaron Toro uh, at the uh, what is it next week? Um, yes, it's next Saturday yeah. actually, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a good Did fight. You? I think that Toro Hill. I'm sorry. What were we going to say? Uh, I was wondering if you had a chance to see your last fight against uh, uh, Maricela Cornejo. Yes, I did check out the fight. I thought that um, Tohill um, won the fight. I think that they gave it to um, Cornejo, but I thought that Tohill did enough to win the fight. I thought that Cornejo had her moment. She had some good right hands that landed, and she boxed off of her back foot. But if I had to judge the round face off of aggression and people and her and Tohill actually pushing action, you know, pressing forward, I gave Tohill the decision. Uh, just before you came on the uh, on the line, we were talking about some of the old veteran fighters that are still around. Uh, mm-hmm. Erin Toyo fits that bill. She's fought Layla Ali. She's fought a lot of really good fighters. She went away in MMA, and then she came back. And uh, uh-huh. do you, what do you see in, in these type of veterans that are coming back, girls like Erin Toyo, Layla McCarter, uh, and Melissa Hernandez, these old uh, experienced veterans? Um, I think that they bring a lot of experience to the game. I think that you can't overlook them just because they've been in the game for a long time. I feel like they're crafty, they're veterans, they have ring experience. So I definitely think that, you know, they pose a threat, they come to win, they come to fight. So, you know, I respect them and, and tip my hat to them for still being in the game and pushing the boundaries. Before you became a professional, did you ever watch uh, female uh Professional boxing, did you ever get a chance to see any pros in, in person or on TV? Um, I did. I, I've always loved boxing. My mom was a big boxing fan, and I grew up with um, Christy Martin. I grew up in that era where we all sat in front of the TV and watched Mike Tyson and Christy Martin was on the undercard in her pink trunks. And, you know, just then I knew <laughs> I wanted to be a fighter. I was excited, you know, and I just thought Christy Martin was amazing. She was prime time TV and she was action packed, and that's when I really developed a real love for the sport and knew that I wanted to be a fighter. Well, were you a little surprised when female boxing kind of went downhill after Christy Martin? Mm-hmm. No, not necessarily, because I think that in order for it to be a successful era in female boxing, there has to be good fights. There has to be a lot of people out there that want to actually see the fights and then you know, support different fighters. So I just think that if you put all of your attention on one fighter, then you lack the, you know, you lack the real experience of being able to, you know, have rivalries, have good matchups that you're looking forward to. And I think that that was a big thing for the fighters, for the women. They put all of their emphasis on Layla, but it's like, okay, and what? 
they put a lot of the emphasis on Ann Wood and Wolf, but it's like, okay, those are just two fighters. There's plenty of women fighters, and once you share the platform, then the sport begins to grow. What What is some of the reaction that people give you after they see you fight? Um, people, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I think that a lot of times, like, you know, just naturally, like, I'm a cool, chill person, and so once they see me fight, they're like, damn, you know, girls are actually in there fighting, and they're, you know, there's some skill behind it, and they're pretty impressed with the fact that you're going so hard. The women always bring a tough fight. And anytime I step in the ring, you know, I'm willing to leave it all in the ring. You know, I'm willing to die in the ring about that W. So I think that they're pretty impressed with the fact that, you know, it's balls to the wall. You're going. <laughs> and you got some skill behind <laughs> you. You have the experience. And it's a new, you know, it's a new era for them. To really, not new era, I won't say that, but it's a new experience, especially if they haven't seen females fight. Yeah, uh, you've had some uh, pretty uh, good fights yourself. Uh, you, the last fight in uh, February, you, you fought against Ashley Curry. Was that your toughest fight? No, it wasn't. And I was actually I'm pretty pissed off about that, to be truthful with you. Um, I'm really looking forward to fighting um, Tough Hill and not to take anything away from um, Ashley Curry. But, you know, I thought that she was, you know, you know, she came in there to fight. But it wasn't my toughest fight. I was pretty pissed off with the Texas Athletic Commission because the refer- the judge, he mixed us up. And he thought that I was her and that she was me. So he judged the fight as if we oh, were, you know, each other. So the split decision, it pretty pissed me off because, like, for one, my record should reflect what the fight was. So, you know, I put in a complaint. The complaint is being disputed right now. But, no, it wasn't my toughest fight. And I'm pretty irritated that the judge doesn't know enough to know who the fighters is when we step inside the ring. So, no, it wasn't. And I'm pretty irritated by that. That's yeah, I would be irritated too. So, so this uh, oh, yeah, judge no. actually mixed you up, and Pat, yeah, you were Curry. Like, yeah, you know, and he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And, you know, sorry is cold, but I don't want to hear sorry. Fix it. You know, like sorry doesn't <laughs> doesn't pay my bills. I want to hear sorry. I want you to fix it and know your job. Like, period. So, yeah, I'm irritated by that. And no, it wasn't my toughest fight. And I'm wow, looking forward wow, to the toughest fight. I'm glad I asked you because I was wondering, huh? Yeah. I was wondering how you got the split decision. decision. I was like, how did you get that? That's how the split decision came. And it was just because the rest didn't, I mean, the judge didn't know who was who. And afterwards, you know, the the scores go in electronically right after the round. So it wasn't a situation where you could just change the score. It has to be, you know, you go through the, like, through the commission and all of that. And hopefully through my fight with them to make right their wrong, it helps other athletes stand up for themselves. Like, they're like, okay, well, a win is a win. No, it's not. It's not the same thing. And you're not going to put a win on my record that I didn't. You know what I'm saying? I want anything that I get, I want to own it. I want to earn it, and I deserve it. I don't want nothing more, nothing less. And I don't want the split decision on my record. I want it to be what it was, which was unanimous win. And it's going to be changed. Yeah, yeah, good point. I mean, because it, uh, it could reflect your pay down the road. They could say, well, you exactly. had a split decision. Yeah, I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. Nah, fix that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. This is not the, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, type of game. <laughs> yeah, so no, I don't so, care about who's to win. No, it's not. Fix it. Sorry. Okay, so now I'm back. You're you're in the you're <laughs> in the middle of this hurricane. You're in the middleweight division. It's uh-huh. through the through Clarissa Shields getting uh, the recognition with her uh, feats on television and so forth. How does it feel being in the middle of this this division, which is probably the hottest right now? Uh, 
what's it feel like knowing that you're you're involved in this? I mean, it's a blessing. I mean, you put in a lot of work. You put in a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. And you're thankful that the women, like, I'm I'm happy for Carissa to get the exposure. I'm happy that we're starting to be on, you know, primetime TV, main events. I think that that's a blessing. So I'm very excited to be here. I work my ass off to be in this position. And I'm going to keep on proving myself. I'm going to keep on doing my thing, and I'm looking forward to that matchup. You know, we're hoping that it gets to happen, you know, probably um, next year. That's ideal. Maybe even at the end of this year, cross your fingers, though. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm very thankful for the opportunities that are coming. They're slow, but they're coming. And I'm excited for all the women that's getting excited, that's getting recognition, that's getting love. You know, I'm not a hater. I shine regardless, so I have no reason to hate on brides. All I do is just show up and do my thing. Oh, not brides. What was it like? I laugh at me for calling girls brides. Not brides. <laughs> <laughs> What was it like watching what were you at the fight or did you watch the fight on T V between Shields and Hammer? Um, I watched it on T V. I didn't I had an event that night. Um I had my fight like a girl event. That's the annual weekend for my fight like a girl event. If not I would have been at the fight supporting the ladies. And it was just exciting. It was electrifying. I thought that Hammer was gonna you know, bite down to bring it a little harder, but I thought it was exciting. It was um, it was electrifying just seeing that much momentum and that much intention and support going to the women, and it was a good fight. I was excited for them, and I was happy to get to see it. What did you think about when they were when they were releasing the numbers, saying that there there was three hundred thousand people that saw it, or I think it was was it three ninety something like that, but but the numbers did increase. Once Clarissa Shields took the platform against Christina Hammer, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, did that kind of give you a, a little sense of uh, electricity, knowing that it's 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 growing, it's it's reaching that point? Absolutely, absolutely. The fact that you know it's reaching that point where people are tuning in, people are engaged, you know, people are having rivalries and you know putting bets and you know talking and going back and forth that's a beautiful thing to be able to see because for female boxers it hasn't been you know that exciting for a long time so that was exciting to see especially knowing that my my name about to be in those lights so you know I'm hyped up I'm charged up <laughs> energy and it's exciting you know so right after that I got the call and I'll get to fight Toe Hill it's my first time fighting in LA um Toe Hill was a step up in the point. Right. I'm going for eight rounds. It's going to be going down. So I'm excited for the women, and I'm blazing my own trail. And I know that my time is coming. You you had an extensive uh, amateur uh, background. You fought some. Uh, you fought Clarissa and many other top notch uh, uh, female fighters already. And um, mm-hmm. now you're a pro. What's the difference been like? From I amateur think the to pro. Difference is, uh, I think that amateur boxing is definitely if you're able to get a lot of experience, it really helps you with your platform turning pro. You're more relaxed, you're more poised, you've been, you know, experienced and you fought fighters from all around the world. Um and I also think that in a sense, pro boxing to me is easier to prepare for. Um <clears throat> I think that amateur boxing can be more challenging at times, in my opinion, especially when you're fighting on mm-hmm. that world-class level because you don't have time to really game plan, so to speak, for one fighter. You're fighting top amateurs from all over the world. Every, You know, you go to a world tournament, you might fight five times, and you might fight a southpaw, you might fight a person that's, you know, aggressive, you might fight a boxer. So you, you're constantly having to change your game. So I think that 
they're definitely two different sports, but having that experience definitely helps you out in the pros. And you're you're fighting uh, next week on the uh, what is it the 18th? You're yes, fighting I'm the fighting same day as your friend Tiara Brown. Yes, I'm exactly. I'm fighting the same day as my best friend Tiara Brown. I'm very excited. We're both going to go for you know um, continental titles. So I'm very excited. I'm sad that I can't be at her fight. If not, I would have been there. But that's just kind of like us being in sync and taking those level up steps at the same time. So I'll be with her in spirit. I'll be thinking about her. I'm sure she'll be thinking about me, and we're gonna go get them titles. Period. Is there a, is there a competition to see who wins better? <laughs> yeah, it's always a competition. <laughs> no, we're not talking to me. I gotta step my camera up, man. But it, you know, it's always love. <laughs> and I'm always inspired by Tierra. Um, we've been in amateurs together. You know, we've been in China together, sharing cold cups of soup. So you know, and, and then on top of that, I just um, gravitate towards people with good energy and good people. And she's definitely one of those people. My circle was small, but. It's mighty with the people that's in it, and she's one of those people that I'm inspired by. Uh, I'm going to pass you over to Felipe. Felipe. Yes, Raquel. Uh, Pinky, yes. Go, going back, how you doing today? Uh, going back to um, your Fight Like a Girl event that you have every year. Tell us how you developed that you have in San Francisco, your hometown. Tell us what it is, first of all. I mean, obviously, I know what it is, and David knows what it is. Or maybe our listeners don't know what it is. What it is and how did it yeah. come about and what's it all about? Absolutely. So I have a nonprofit organization. It's called Ladies in Power, and it's a mentorship program for young women. And we want to just mentor them on confidence, you know, healthy eating, healthy living, um, how to transition from teenagehood to adulthood. And it came about because I'm from San Francisco. I'm from the Bayview, Hunters Point area of San Francisco. It's a, you know, underprivileged community. You know, it's a rough area to grow up in and I really wanted to my sister and I excuse me wanted to create something that we felt like we didn't have like who do I go and talk to if I'm feeling depressed who do I go and talk to if I want to learn how to build my credit and so forth and how do I go about community you know doing community work so that's where it started way before I started boxing and then once I started boxing I remember going into the boxing gym and feeling like no one really gave me the impression that I belonged. I had to earn everything that I got in the boxing gym from friends to respect to sparring time. And so fight like a girl came about because I want girls to know it's okay to fight like a girl. You don't got to fight like anybody else but yourself. You don't have to be anything but yourself. And it's okay to feel like you belong in any setting. And so I took the notion when people say fight like a girl from a negative to a positive. And um, this year was my fourth annual event. I had 50 girls this year, and I started with 15 girls. So it's just a day for the girls to come out. You know, I teach them about boxing. I have other female boxers come along and just share their stories about why they fight, you know, and why it's important to feel confident to be a part of sports. And they just have fun. You know, they put the gloves on, and you'd be surprised at how much confidence these little girls get just from, you know, me telling them, like, are you strong? When they first start the event, they're like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, no, you are strong. It's okay to be strong. It's okay to feel good about yourself. It's okay to have confidence. And at the end of the event, they're like, I'm strong. Do you want to fight? <laughs> you know, put your gloves mm-hmm. on. And so that gives me, that's more important than boxing for me. Like, I'm going to be a world champion. I'm not going to stop until I am. But my legacy is really going to be on how many people I impact, how many people can look up and say that because of me, their life has been impacted, their life has been improved or changed or inspired. So that's just something that's near and dear to my heart. They can check it out. I have a I have a nonprofit um, website. It's ladiesempower.org. Everything is spelled out. 
You can actually, if you follow me on social media, I tag my nonprofit page as well. Check us out. You know, come if there's an event in your area, support us. You would like to donate as well, but each one teach one. So now you you mentioned other other areas. So it's not only in San Francisco. You have other events in other cities as well. Yeah, absolutely not. So um, Tierra and I are working together to bring an event to DC, and um, I actually I'm located in San Diego. So my next um, fight like a girl event or um, nonprofit event is going to be in Southern California, and it's probably going to be in June. So and I'll definitely let you guys know when I have another event coming up, but. It's not just Fight Like a Girl. That's just one of the many events that we do. I think the next one is probably going to be Beauty is Me, or it's going to be an ocean outreach event. Um, we haven't decided, but I'll let you um, let you guys know, and if you can share it with your listeners and they have any, you know, youth they would like to be a part of it or them come and volunteer, please do. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, um, so, I mean, uh, I've known you. I've, we've met, I don't know if you remember, in Tijuana with our mutual friend, uh, Troy King. And, um, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one thing, one thing that I, that I, that I admire about you and that I enjoy is that although you're very eloquent and very presentable and you know how to carry yourself, you know how to speak very well, you're not afraid to mix it up with other fighters. I mean, there's that one video of you and Maricela Cornejo in a, in a casino in Las Vegas pretty much going at it and ready to call each other out and to fight. Are you disappointed to a certain extent that that fight with Cornejo hasn't happened and maybe now with her losses and the way that she's looked in, in her recent fights, maybe it's not as big as it was when you guys had that little talk back in, in Vegas uh, mm-hmm. a while back? Um, To be honest with you, um. I'm still looking forward to that fight with Cornejo. We definitely have some unfinished business that we definitely got to handle. And um, I don't care about what she went through. I don't care about her losses. She still got to come and get this ass whooping. So <laughs> I don't care <laughs> interest or not, she still got to see me. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I know that this is a business. You know what I'm saying? It's not always on the up and up. So I commend her for still pushing through and, you know, still staying in the game because, a lot of times it's really hard just to keep pushing when you don't get the opportunities, you don't get the support, you don't get the money. So I don't know what personally she's going through. You know, sometimes you have issues with your coaches or whatever the case may be, and I have no personal issues against nobody. But when it comes to fighting, I'm definitely still looking forward to fighting Cornejo. Um, and I know that we're going to meet down the line really soon. Now, another fighter that you've also had uh... – a back and forth with is Clarissa Shields, a fighter that you know very well. You faced her a number of times in the amateurs. You were an Olympic alternate when she was in the Olympic 2012. You weren't, you were, you weren't in 2016, or were you also in that team? I'm um, 2016. I didn't go to the um, to the games. For 2016, I was an Olympic bronze medalist. I mean, I was an Olympic um, trials bronze medalist. And yes, um, Shields and I we go back and forth. And when I see her in person. The same way I stepped to Cordejo, I stepped to Shields because I'm not an internet talker. I'm an action type of person. And, you know, and I am who I am. And a lot of times people be like, why don't you talk more? But I'm honestly, I'm an in-your-face type of person. When I see you, I see you. But, you know, yeah, we have our rivalry. Yeah, we go back and forth. I'm definitely looking forward to the fight. I have no personal issues with her. You know, like I'm blessed. I seem like she'd be mad and whatever she got going on with you. That's her personal issues. It doesn't matter. I just know that when we meet, when I see her, I'm going to see her, and I know it's going down, and then I'm doing my thing, and I'm getting that W. So 
talking sheep. She could say, oh, because of bum, oh, she's scared. Yeah, we don't see. Yeah, we'll see. Now you mentioned you mentioned when when David asked you about about um, the past female fighters like Christy Martin and Leila Ali that you felt that that the female boxing world or boxing in general were only concentrating on one fighter and when that fighter left it was over. Do you think they're doing the same thing with Croatia Shields now in the United States that they're only concentrating on her and really not shining on the rest of you guys? I think that um, she is getting a she has a good platform, and I feel like it's rightfully so. She's a two-time gold medalist, you know, and that's really awesome. But I feel like they're not doing a great job of promoting or promoting a lot of the other women fighters. But I will feel like it's not the same as it was before. Whereas you do have the Christina Hammers, you have the Cecilia Breckis, you have Katie Taylor, you have you know Ava Knight, you have other women still making some noise, and it might not be on the major platform right now, but I feel like it's bubbling, it's percolating, and we're, you know, rising up. You have the Taylor Mayer girl. You have girls that are actually getting some shine, <clears throat> getting TV dates. So I feel like the sport is actually in a better space than it was before. And once the promoters really understand that this is a business, the more they promote us, the more they put us out there, then the more we'll be able to shine. Like, you take fighters for myself, I'm thankful for my fans. I'm thankful for my supporters because Everything that I have so far, everything that I've accomplished has been straight out the mud. And if people don't understand what straight out the mud means, that means no help, no handouts. That means being told a million no's just to get one yes. That means no TV fights just yet. That means, you know, people say, oh, you're not getting no big fights, but they don't understand that. I can't I can't pay these girls no $15,000 to fight me in no goddamn six-round, eight-round fight. Like, come on now. So it's like, oh, you're not getting the fights, but they don't understand the business aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I, you know, so I got a good following, but this is just from people just hearing about me. I never fought on no major platform yet. You know, I haven't been televised. I haven't been promoted. I've been hustling and promoting and pushing myself. So, of course, I haven't been able to fight on Showtime and all that shit yet because I don't got the money to put those type of fights up yet. So, it's a hustle. It's a grind. I think that the business aspect of it is probably harder than, no, I'm lying. It's all equally hard. <laughs> Wait a minute, no, you know, my lip is buzzed right now. Nah, it's all equally hard, but it's a real hustle to actually push yourself, put yourself out there and put yourself in position to get those type of opportunities without people thinking like, oh, you're ducking fire. So get your ass out of here. Matter of fact, you think I'm ducking so much, come and see me. You can come spar me. Come see me. Like, people got a lot of stuff to say, but when it's time to show, I know up, you're, to show up. I know you're in San Diego. I know you train in the arena with uh, – Bashir Abdullah, very yeah. good trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you spar out here? I mean, are you are you sparring mainly guys? Are you sparring uh, Ulises Sierra? Um, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get to spar her, but you know, she's in the area and she would like to spar. I would love to spar her, but usually I spar a lot of my teammates who are you know upcoming fighters themselves. Um, I've had the pleasure to actually I spar with um, Aaron Tohill to get ready for Cornejo. Um, I worked with Cyborg. I've got to work with um one of the, a couple of the amateur girls that are going to Olympic trials, Danielle Wolf and you know Jill, Jill last name is evading me right now. Sorry, but you know I have been able to just as of late get some working with some women fighters, so that's been awesome. And then usually my teammates, you know, I have Canton Miller, I have Joe Perez, you know, I have teammates that are really good, you know, male fighters that give me good work, challenge me and push me. So it's a team effort. You get in where you fit in. Handle now you, 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 you mentioned sparring uh, Tuffield, your next opponent. 
Mm-hmm. What did you What did you see in that sparring that you think is going to help you in that fight on May 18th? Y'all got to see it other Saturday. I'm not disclosing none of our <laughs> none of our overcoming uh, preparations. Y'all see when we get to fight, but I, you know I tip my hat to Tokyo. I think that she's a tough opponent. I'm not overlooking her. I'm not thinking like oh, nah, I don't overlook nobody, and I'm definitely not overlooking Tokyo. I expect her to come in there and want to win, to push me to want to fight, and you know that's what I'm looking forward to. Now you're signed to Lou DiBella, has, and you mentioned a couple minutes ago that you haven't fought on a major network or major platform just yet. Has he had a conversation with you and your team and giving you a timeline of when that can happen? Um, so DiBella, I will be, you know, truthful and just say that I'm thankful that DiBella has been pretty truthful with me. It hasn't materialized as, as quick as I would have liked it, but he's been very vocal with my team, my manager, um, my manager, David McWaters, I'm from Split T Promotion. He's been very um, supportive, and he told me, you know, I'm really, really hopeful that what we've talked about has material is going to materialize. But there's supposed to be an all women's card on Showtime, um, and that was actually right. going to be my next fight. And it was supposed to be against like Cornejo or um, Hannah Gabriel. So unfortunately, that didn't materialize just yet. But supposedly, that's in the works, and I'll be able to, um, you know, go handle my business against O'Hill. And then the step-up fight should be right after that, and it should be a televised bout. So, you know, I believe in my team. Um, I think that even if it hasn't happened as quick as I would like to, um, I still have faith in my team, and I'm really hoping that after this fight, it'll be a televised bout. It'll be, you know, for a world title or another step-up in competition to keep getting those Ws. All right. Well, David, any more questions from you? No, no, only that uh, if if you want to repeat uh, when your fight date is and where it's at, that would be great for the fans. Absolutely. So um, thank you all for checking me out. Thank you for listening to me. I'm Raquel Pretty Beast Miller, and I'm going to fight May 18th in Hawaiian Gardens, California. I believe that that's right outside of Long Beach, California. Um, there's a ticket link on my page. My social media um, Instagram is ms. Raquel Miller on Facebook. You can find me under Raquel Miller and on Twitter. On Twitter, you hear me? On Twitter, <laughs> I'm um, under uh, Miss Pretty Beast. So you know, definitely check me out. Follow my journey. Again, I thank you. Sending everybody love and light, and let's get it. You can be as great as you decide to be. Well, there you have it, Miss Raquel Miller with us here on the two-minute round. David is going to be in the house on May 18th. I'm going to drive from San Diego and be on the, in the house on hey. May 18th. So we're going to be there. Be there. Uh, we'll be there watching that fight. And uh, thank you for being with us here. It won't be the first time. It won't be the last time. Um, and we wish you all the luck. And thank you. Before I go, one more thing. I want to give a shout-out to my PR, you know, Wendy Richardson. She's been just doing, you know, pushing for me and just having my back and making things happen. I just want to give her a shout-out and tell her thank you for making this interview happen. You know, check me out. Follow me. May 18th, I'm getting that title. Let's go. There you go. Well, thank you, Raquel. Good night, and uh, we'll see you on May 18th. Likewise. Okay, bye. And there you have Miss Raquel Miller, the pretty beast who will be fighting on May 18th against Aaron Tuffhill. Uh, here at Hawaiian Gardens, well, not here, but in uh, L.A. Uh, for the NABO, WBO, Super Welterweight title. So, David, uh, I I mean, I met Raquel, and every time I met her and every time I've been around her, I think she's great. She's very eloquent, uh, very, very well-spoken, 
but very outspoken as well. And she's not afraid to mix it up and call out Cornejo, call out Shields. She knows her time is coming. It's just, I like her patience. I like that, you know, she knows that her time is coming. She's just, she has a team and she has a manager, a good manager. She has a good promoter, promoter of the year, last year for us here, um, Lou DiBella. And it's just a matter of time for her to get her, her shot at the big names. And very good PR team too. It's Wendy from preeminent. Yeah. So, so she has all the, she has all the, the, she has the skills inside. She's undefeated. She has the pedigree in her amateur career. She has the right team. It's just a matter of time. So, uh, hopefully, uh, the first step towards that is on May 18th. I'm looking forward to that. Well, now moving on to a little bit of fight chatter, David. Fairly quickly here. Um, just to give you a little bit of a background, in Argentina, there is the Boxing Federation. is a national boxing federation, but I guess there's like a offshoot boxing federation that has sanctioned some fights inside the country and as well as given licenses for fighters to fight outside the country. One, of, one name that comes up in particular is a fighter by the name of Mayra Gomez, who went out and fought in England not with an Argentinian Boxing Federation license, but one by this other um, commission that has established itself um, inside the country. Well, now it looks like on May 11th, which is this Saturday, veteran Alejandra La Locomotora Olivares is scheduled to fight a Mexican Leslie Morales in, in, a, in a rematch, but it's not being sanctioned by the, by the official Argentinian Boxing Federation, but by this other commission that is, is doing these things. And the Boxing Federation has gone public and has denounced the fight because it is scheduled and is being promoted as a 12-round, three-minute round fight. Uh, for 12 round, 12 three-minute rounds. Uh, it's not for any world title or any world title, recognizable world title, but they're just having it, and that's the way they're promoting it as a 12, three-minute round fight. So uh, people are taking the issue of the two-minute and the three-minute round into their own hands to a certain extent and putting the fights together themselves or with other commissions that are, are willing to do it. Any opinion on that, David? Is this a, uh, it, it's I haven't heard a lot about the uh, about this other uh, commissions or I don't know what it is. Is it sort of like a, like a, an athletic commission only in Argentina? Well, see that it's it's different in other countries. You know, here in the United States, for all you guys that know, uh, obviously you know David, but the listeners is. The commissions here in the United States are state-run. So basically, it's some kind of state agency um, that runs the boxing commission. In, uh, in Mexico, it's, it's through each municipality. So basically, every city has uh, a boxing commission. Now, there is some states that do have a, a, a state-run, like Sonora, where Hermosillo is located. They have a state-run boxing commission, but... 95% of the boxing commissions in, in Mexico are run by the city. 
So Tijuana has a boxing commission. Mexicali, three hours to the east, has a boxing commission. Ensenada, an hour and a half south, has a commission. Mexico City, and so on and so forth. Now, there's other countries like Argentina or Japan, as an example, that have national boxing commissions. So that whole the whole country is 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 governed by one boxing commission, and that's the case in Argentina. But I guess there's another boxing commission that feels that the 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 national commission is not doing their job, and they just sprung up. I don't know how, but they just sprung up, and they're starting to give out licenses and sanctioning fights, and they're sanctioning this 12-round, three three minute round, three minutes per round fight between veteran Alejandro Olivares and Leslie Morales. They last fought in in a 10-rounder at two minutes a round on April 8th, and Olivares took a unanimous decision. So it's not like Leslie Morales quite possibly doesn't run the risk of getting knocked out, but they are going to fight supposedly this Saturday night for 12 three-minute rounds. It's very interesting. I guess they have their own uh, civil war going on in the boxing world. Yeah, I mean, it might be a smoker, you know, like those like those unsanctioned amateur smokers that they used to have or they still probably have that are not sanctioned oh, by USA do. Boxing. <laughs> yeah, not sanctioned by USA Boxing. So it might be something the same thing. So the Argentinian Boxing Federation came out and, uh, and, uh, and publicly said that anybody that takes part of this fight, be it judges, referees, and the fighters are, or, and the promoters, are, are going to be suspended from the National Boxing Federation. So hopefully we'll see what happens and see if there's any, is more news on our next show, which is scheduled for um, May 23rd. May 23rd, Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash two minute round. Now it was uh, announced today, Mariana Juarez will be facing Diana Fernandez defending her WBC 118-pound title on June 15th. And Mariana Juarez is going to wow. do it none, in no other place but in her opponent's hometown of Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. And as expected, the Fernandez sisters, they, they, don't, they, they, don't, they don't stay quiet, so they're starting to talk, and they're, and, and they're starting to talk. And Juarez actually put out a little statement today on her social media saying, hey, you know what? With all due respect, you're you're pumping me up. I'm gonna go in there and not only beat you, but I'm gonna beat you in your hometown. And my sister, which is Pequeña Lulu, was able to beat both of you guys, and I could beat both of you guys, meaning the Fernandez sisters, on the same night. So things are starting. <laughs> yeah, things are starting to heat up. Things are starting to heat up, and I can't wait for that fight. I think it's gonna be a pretty good fight. Wow, that sounds like something. We got sisters versus sisters. Yeah, they should have done, they should have done a rematch. And, but I think the other sister, uh, the I think her name is Carelli Fernandez. She's fighting for like a 122-pound title or something in her next fight. So she can't fight Pequeña Lulu anymore, who's fighting at 112. And lastly, when um, it was announced last week that Alexander Usyk uh, hurt a bicep and that his debut as a heavyweight was being postponed, there was a lot of questions whether that fight card scheduled for June was still going to happen, but now it looks like it is. David Devin Haney will be making his debut with the zone. Is going to be headlining that fight, and also on that card will be uh, Jessica McCaskill facing uh, uh, what's her Anaí Sanchez, 
uh, in a unification oh, fight, a 140, yeah, in a 140-pound fight. So that fight is it definitely happened. A lot of people were worried that it was going to get canceled, that the whole fight card was going to get canceled. And now, before I go, David, or before we go and, and move on to our our uh, our uh, our fight preview, there's an article by um, a website called The 42. Which talks, which did a a, a um, an article with Eddie Hearn, an interview where they talk about that three fight deal with Amanda Serrano, and that Eddie Hearn is worried that Amanda Serrano doesn't understand the fine print of the contract because he, let me quote it says uh, uh says it says it quotes and Eddie Hearn said I mean we have an agreement in place Amanda Serrano and Lou Bella. Serrano's co-promoter have signed a contract to fight Katie Taylor, but I've seen a few comments from Serrano lately saying, oh, you know, if the deal's right, I'll fight Katie Taylor. And then Hearn says, you've signed the deal pointedly. So in the article it says, so we got to get that clarified because the reason I'm giving Serrano the fight is because she signed to fight Katie Taylor. So I want to make sure there's no wiggle move, wiggle uh, room. So as you, I've seen those posts, uh, not recently, but some weeks ago from Amanda Serrano where she was kind of making it seem like, like it didn't, it wasn't a hundred percent sure if she was going to fight Katie Taylor, but Eddie Hearn has said that the only reason that I signed her for a three fight deal, which her first fight was early and uh, early, uh, early 2019. And they're looking for something for her in the summer. And then obviously the third fight in September against Katie Taylor was that the only reason that she, he signed her to those three fights is because she's going to fight Katie Taylor. Hmm. Does that still, does it clarify the amount of money they're going to make? No, but I mean, if he, she signed the contract, it, it seems to me by the way that he, that he stated when he says, uh, all you, is she, he's saying that she said, Oh, you know, if the deal's right, I'll fight Katie Taylor. Then Hearn added, you signed the deal. So she already knows how much she's getting paid for Katie Taylor. Huh. In that three-fight promotion, in that three-fight deal, like they basically already gave her a, at least a guarantee of that fight. So she already knows how much she's getting paid. So it's, so he doesn't understand why she's making these type of statements. Hmm, Interesting. Well, that is the uh, fight chat. Anything you want to bring up, uh, David? Um, well, there is uh, some – speaking of Katie Taylor, there is uh, a question about her opponent, Delphine Pursun, because she recently fought Melissa St. Ville on March. And uh, in that fight, she, she won by TKO against Melissa. But prior to that fight, supposedly – the WBC has mandated that all title fights are tested. And according to Marisa Suleiman, he said they were all supposed to be tested by VADA. Well, apparently, Melissa Saintville, according to, to documents she sent me, was not tested for that fight. She didn't receive any kind of testing whatsoever, no blood work, no nothing, not even a urine test. And Apparently, she wasn't tested, but there is claims that Delphine Pursun was tested. I haven't seen any of the paperwork yet. I've asked for it uh, through the WBC twice. Uh, I'm still waiting for it to, to see what kind of uh, uh, 
paperwork they showed that Delphine was tested. But regardless of whether or not she's tested or not, it's kind of irregular to just test one person, not the other. So there's some kind of a, a question mark going on on what's going on, what uh, happened in Belgium, why did this happen, and if it's the WBC mandated that they're supposed to be tested, why weren't they tested? Uh, that's something that only the WBC can answer. They're the so they're not just a sanctioning body as Mauricio Silman just recently said last week. He said they're a governing body. So if they're hmm. a governing body, why weren't they watching over or supervising the testing? That's the big question. So what do they mean by governing body? Do they mean that they're like a like a commission? That was his own words. Uh, he he's they sent out a PR a public uh, press release last week when there was arguments over the two minute rounds versus the three minute rounds. Uh, he sent out a piece saying that they're not just a sanctioning body; they're a governing body. Those are his words, not mine. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's interesting choice of words. So let's see how they can enforce that. Of being a governing body, and I'm sure that the that commissions, not so much in Mexico, because in Mexico I've seen it time and time and time and time again, especially in Tijuana, that they bend over backwards for the WBC. But I would like to see if other commissions in the United, especially in the United States, are willing to, you know, give them the power that they have as the sanctioning body for the for the fight card in whatever city in the United States. Yeah, very curious because this is an important issue. It regards uh, basically cheating. There's there's fighters that are juicing or using PEDs and getting away with it. Uh, the WBC was one of the groups that said they're going to put a stop to it, but yet something somebody dropped the ball. Somebody dropped the ball with Delphine Pursoon, who's set to fight Katie Taylor on June the 1st in New York. Now, uh, somebody's got to explain what happened in her last fight when she fought Melissa Sainville. Yeah, we're going to have to see, and we're going to have to see what kind of uh, testing is done for that fight scheduled for June 1st, which if they're going to do any testing, I mean, I'm not an expert, but that is a month, less than a month away, June 1st. I, don't, I mean, if they're going to do some testing, they would be in the program right now. Supposedly, yeah, they should be. Getting tested now through VADA. So you think they are, or they're supposed to? I don't know. I'm gonna. That's a question that they can only answer. That's that's uh, the WBC is the one supervising that fight. One of the the sanctioning bodies supervising that fight. Delphine Pursun has the WBC title. Uh, Katie Taylor has the other belt. She has the WBO, WBA, and IBF. Okay, well, there you have it. We'll follow this through. We have our next show on May 23rd, so hopefully we have uh, some more information regarding that. That'll be uh, probably about a little bit more than a week than that fight, so we'll see if we have some more information regarding that um, topic and see if we can get some info as far as if uh, Pursoon and Taylor are in some kind of program. Now, moving on to our upcoming calendar, on Friday, May 10th from Nottingham Arena, that's tomorrow night, 
in the UK, Matchroom Boxing gives us Terry Harper against Claudia Andrea Lopez from Argentina and a 10-rounder for the WBC International Lightweight title. And tomorrow night as well, uh, from the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Alicia Baumgartner, a past guest here on the show, is coming off her first loss, facing Gabriela Mezzi in a six-rounder at 135 pounds. On Friday, May 17th, from Montreal Casino in Montreal, Kim Clavel faces Tamara Elizabeth DeMarco in an eight-rounder at 108 pounds, while Ava Knight faces Crystal Hoy in an eight-rounder at 115 pounds for a vacant regional title. That is from the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee. So Ava Knight, slowly but surely, signed with uh, Mayweather Promotions, is starting to fight a little bit more regularly now, and hopefully soon she gets a shot for a title or against a big-name opponent. Saturday, May 18th. What, what title is this? Some, what title is this that she's fighting? Honestly, David, some weird... I've never heard of the sanctioning body. It's like the American... I'll tell you exactly right now. I didn't really want to write it down because I never heard of the of the sanctioning body before. It's called the uh, the American Boxing Federation Continental Americans Female Super Flyweight Title. Oh, okay. I think they fight most of their fights in the Midwest. Yeah, uh, I think Chris Jessica, yeah, I think Jessica McCaskill had one of those titles before. Yeah. So, so. she's 17-2 with five draws, five knockouts. Crystal Hoy is six wins, nine losses, four draws, three knockouts. And she she's coming off uh, a win over Noemi Bosques, which they fought for the vacant, the same title, um, Back in October, and Crystal Hoy won it. Then she fought Rosalinda Rodriguez, and she lost, but that wasn't for the title. And now she's fighting for the same title again against Ava Knight. Ava Knight, I mean, Ava Knight's been a world champion. Why does she even, I mean, obviously it's a promoter type of thing, but if I was Ava Knight, I would be like, hey, man, let me just fight. I don't need no title. I don't need to pay no sanctioning fee. I've been a world champion. Keep your American why not, Federation, whatever. And why not fight uh, Rosalinda Rodriguez? Well, that might fight, be in the cards. Why go through the middle, man? Yeah, that might be in the cards, but I think Rosalinda Rodriguez fights at Bantamweight. And it no, might I, still fight I, I at heard that they, I heard that they wanted a fighter. Really? Let me see if her last fight. Her last fight was at... No, yes, yeah, she's still fighting at Bantamweight. Rodriguez fought... Her last fight was 117 and a half. And she's never fought less than oh, okay. 116, 116. So I think Ava still has a little bit left in the tank at 115. So I don't think she'd be willing to move up quite yet oh, I see. to 118. Yeah. yeah. Now, same on uh, Saturday, May 18th. Saturday, May 18th from the Gardens Casino in Hawaiian Gardens, California. Roy Egelbrick gives us Raquel Miller, our special guest for tonight's show. Facing Aaron Tuffield for the, in an eight-rounder for the NABO, WBO, I believe 160-pound title. Let me double-check that because I know that uh, Raquel Milo, Miller has fought at, as a super welterweight, but if she's going to be campaigning at 160, that's a pretty good uh, pretty good as well. It doesn't tell us on box rank, but I'm sure it's – I think I saw it on the poster that it's going to be at 160. So she's campaigning 160, NABO, WBO title. That ranks her in the top 15 with the win there. If she is – whoever wins gets ranked in the top 15 
by the WBO, but the WBO doesn't have rankings anyway, so it doesn't matter. So it's a NABO WBO title, May 18th, eight rounder at Hawaiian Gardens near LA. So if you have, uh, if you're in the area, don't miss that fight. And lastly, her best friend Raquel Millers from the Entertainment Sports Arena in Washington D.C. The Bell Entertainment gives us Tiara Brown against. TP announced it, but no opponent has yet been named in a 10-rounder for the vacant IBF International Super Featherweight title. I think we better find out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they have somebody by now. Yeah, I hope they do. Uh, So our next show, David, is scheduled for May 23rd. We're going to be talking about all these results. We'll bring you a full report from the Raquel Miller fight. We'll get her statements uh, after the fight. Perhaps also Erin Tuffield's statements if we get a chance to speak to her. Um, and we'll be back here on May 23rd, David. Anything, any parting words? No, just uh, I look forward to uh, next week uh, watching Raquel Miller and all the other uh, female prize fighters. And um, wish everybody a good night. Thank you, David. Have a good night. And we'll see you on May 23rd. Good night.